So, boss man is here. Dylan, welcome. Hi, how are you going? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I feel a bit weird being called boss man. Boss man, yeah. Sound What's like lame then? Because you're both my boss. But yeah, you you guys don't have bosses, but... We form together like Voltron. Our customers are our bosses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the customer government. is always right. Yeah. That's um, correct. <laughs> what 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 name would Liam have? Uh you can call me you can call me Muchacho. Muchacho. Yeah. That's a lot more relaxed. Muchacho. More personable. Yeah. Than boss man. More like friendly. Yeah. 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 I'm like the friendly uh ginger bearded dude. <laughs> so that's but this is my role in this. So boss man and muchacho. <laughs> Muchacho's just hanging around having a good time in your front yard. Yeah. While boss man just comes along and just like cracks the whip, maybe. <laughs> Tells him to get off his lawn. Yeah. Gets out the um vacuum reverse vacuum cleaner and ruins <laughs> everyone's fun. Yeah. Yeah, so episode zero zero one. We recorded one already, Liam and I. Um where actually I think the plan at the moment is to drop three episodes um, at once. So mm-hmm. just kind of treat everyone to a few off the off the bat. Um, so that was kind of the beta, I think we call it the beta test episode, the test pressing episode. The test pressing. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think that's a good that's name a, for that's it. That's clever. And this is the this is the uh, the first release. It's episode one. Yeah. So we've got a few, we've got a little bit more to talk about this time. Um, but... Yeah, uh, something very relevant. You mentioned that there's something interesting about Stranger Things' soundtrack before. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, probably much like most people at the moment who have Netflix, I'm uh, sit, like you know working my way through season three, and um, yeah, I just noticed like that the soundtrack is particularly good in this season. I think because they've moved into the I don't know if the is first the 80s? Se- well, it's the 80s. It's definitely the 80s. To be honest, though, I was under the impression that the first two seasons were set in the 80s as well. So but did I. Yeah, th- it's all set in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess but this is like late 80s, like big hair. I think it's, a re- it's, it's especially 80s, this one, because they're, it's like the right. coming of it's, age it's season. It's peak 80s fashion. I yeah. think it's about 85, 86. Yeah, and, and the kids are also kind of like, um, they're growing up now, so they're, you know, they're buying their own clothes and, yeah. like, you know, they're... They're, 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 they're becoming li- they're becoming little adults. Yeah. So, but the soundtrack is is phenomenally good. I, I must say, um, it's like everyone knew the soundtrack was was interesting from As from in the like get go. Original composition. In original composition sound. Yeah, the score right. probably is probably the, be- the score, better way yeah. to put it. But yeah, it's um. It's really grabbed me this one. Like I, ha- I actually had a little bit of a listen to it on YouTube just as by itself without the, without the the show sort of accompanying it. And yeah, no, it's it's great. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it kind of um, leads into what you were going to mention as well about uh, was it 21, 28? 2814. 2814, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm not too into vaporwave. Uh, there are select albums that I really enjoy. Um, but one that's stuck with me as kind of my, you know, go-to album is 2814's Brave New Day, or Birth of a New Day, sorry. Um, that, it's kind of like, you, you know, the KLF, mm. the Chill Out album? It's mm. kind of like, you know how it takes you on this journey through the south of the US and it's like this ambient, you know, journey? Mm. Imagine that, but set in neon Tokyo. Yeah, I it's re- it's it's cool. Like it, you, it's very much like a sit down, lie in your bed with headphones on kind of experience. Yeah, I was getting some blade. R- I had a clip, quick listen, it's blade yeah. run of kind of vibes. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, even the cover kind of reminded me a lot of. Uh, like it definitely to- draws Tokyo inspiration from Vangelis, or maybe like yeah. Akira or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that they would all. All those pieces would have informed 2814 when they were creating this. So what you... It's getting a reissue, is that right? It's getting a reissue. So they did two things. They released an album out of the blue a couple of days ago where um, it was all like offcuts from other projects and B-sides and stuff that's appeared on compilation albums. And it's basically just a rarities collection. And then they also announced the repress of Birth of a New Day, which is a very 
hard to get one up until this point. It's had mm. a couple of represses, but it always sells out immediately. When was it released originally? Like about four years ago. I feel so like fairly, f- it's very very modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. Recent, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's getting a repress finally. Um, Through what like label? Pink uh, Marble. Uh, I can find out. Uh, and um, this whole like you mentioned, like what do they call it? Is it? Ba- is it? What's what's the genre? What's the subgenre of electronica? Is it vaporwave? Vapor? Vapor wa- I I don't know. Like I, I'm probably going to get this wrong, and all the vaporwave enthusiasts are probably going to be sitting at home going like, "No, that's not right." Um, but uh, January 2015, by the way, okay. is when it came out. Yeah, um, yeah, it's on the Bleep Store actually. Because I understand cool. that um, vaporwave has kind of like taken the internet by storm. I can't. Yeah, from to about 2010, I. From my understanding, is when it really kind of took off. Yeah, it's um, all over my YouTube feed. Yes, I'm very constantly getting YouTube algorithm yeah. kind of scene. Um, There's a band called Windows ninety something ninety four. I think it's it's one of the it's a like ninety something that Microsoft didn't actually yeah. release one. Yeah, that that pops up a lot for me as well. They have several albums. I was I had yeah. to listen to. It. They're pretty pretty cool. It's it's cool. It the thing that I like about this album though, as opposed to other vaporwave, is I really like the texture and the feeling of Vaporwave. Mm. However, the thing that it kind of loses me on is it relies too much on nostalgia Mm. Mm. and 90s nostalgia and it kind of eventually feels cheesy and I know it it knows that too and it's... Derivative. It's Yeah, it it plays with that. (laughs) But the thing I like about 2814 is, and they explicitly said this too, but it's very noticeable when you listen to the album is that it's feel it's got the same texture, but it doesn't rely on samples of you know '90s operating systems and gotcha. Uh, it's not. It doesn't feel exploitative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, um, it's it's built from the ground up. Then exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, there's a <laughs> another album that you might be able to shed some light on for me. Yeah. Um, which I believe has become like a bit of a meme. Mm. Uh, and the cover is like, it looks like uh, the head of like a, a statue, like a Greek statue. Oh, that's the definitive one. Uh, I'll have to have a look. And then there's like a checkered, like a black and white checkered floor maybe in the background and a yeah, few other Mac like really ups. You've probably seen that cover somewhere Macintosh on the internet as well. Macintosh Plus. So that's yeah, another so that's computer. That's like, the, defi- like the, the one that started it all basically. Right. From what I understand. I'm sure there was other stuff before, yeah. but this was the one that kind of exploded on Bandcamp and... Because I think Bandcamp oh, is pretty yeah. responsible <coughs> for that scene too, mm, just mm. because of the nature of how it is. It's yeah. kind of like a cross between iTunes meets SoundCloud. And I was uh, I was aware of the meme before I was even aware that that was that an actual album. I thought it was just yeah. like a joke on the internet, and then kind of uh, is it, it? It kind of is like meme music, from what I understand. That's yeah. how it's come across to me. I don't know. I'm sure like That's vaporwave enthusiasts are probably going to be upset at that. Kind of work yeah, no, no, yeah, no offense to anyone who's act, who's you know a vaporwave enthusiast. I definitely enjoy the music. It's just uh, yeah, one of those things that um, has been a, has been a bit of an enigma to me. I think yeah, and it's it's just been uh, so prevalent, it, like on uh, on all the YouTube algorithms and on Reddit and like you know all these places in the internet. But yeah. I've never really had the opportunity to listen. Have you seen how? Uh, I watched a video essay on by a guy called Wang W H A N G, and uh, he does like stories. He he's got a series called Tales from the Internet, and one of the more recent episodes he did on uh, this uh, Japanese city pop artist who released an album in Japan that had relative pop success back in the day, but then it exploded on the internet a few years ago. Um, because of the YouTube algorithm. And he kind of delves into like the side of music distribution now and how the YouTube algorithm can really make an artist. So he figured out how to exploit that or was it just incidental? No, just incidental. Like Google, because it's Google, Google's SEO kind of strategies now, they just keep, it's like a cat and mouse game because as much as they set up these algorithms for the search engine to work by, people are going to try and exploit that. So they've got to keep changing so people don't exploit it yeah so it's a bit of a especially these days there's an element like you can create a solid understanding but there is an element of mystery to how it functions same for the youtube algorithm so a lot of the time it just incidentally finds itself there Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. intention the other album that did that recently is plantasia 
Uh, that is mm. the reason why it's getting a repress because it got in YouTube's algorithm. Yeah. It became really popular again and people started demanding the record and it finally got a proper repress. Mort, Mort Garson, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, yeah, we've got a copy at home and I've, I've stocked it a few times and it's it's known and it's such an obscure thing to, for people to know about. Yeah, Those were really collectible recently, for a time. Yeah. Recently reissued, I think. Yeah. I saw it announced because probably that's off the back of the, the success exactly on YouTube. That's exactly it, yeah, yeah. It got successful on YouTube and they... Um, I remember when they announced that. I think they even, in somewhere in the announcement, they acknowledged that that was the reason. I think. Mm. It it's amazing. Huge. It was really like a couple though, of months back. But how, how big a tool YouTube is now for for um, for releasing music or just uh, even discovery. for discovering yeah. music. The YouTube algorithm is insane. Like, insane. like I got um, my hair cut by a guy and we were talking about, he was like, oh, I don't even want to jump to Spotify now because the, I've been using YouTube for my music for almost 10 years and mm. it just knows me so well every time it finishes its queue it goes on recommended stuff it just hits the spot it does seem to do that doesn't it yes yeah, spotify's is really good too yeah. um i mean back in the day because the day spotify came out in australia i subbed straight away mm. um i think it's a really great tool i acknowledge and empathize that spotify doesn't pay artists enough proportionally but you know the I think it's a bit more complex than, you know, say a sale. Um, I think streaming is, I think there's too much of a discussion about comparing it to a, a sale. Mm. Streaming, it kind of needs to be understood as its own beast. But anyway, I'm digressing. It's, yeah. And it's also um, a great way to like promote, for people to promote the music. If, they up, if it gets in the Spotify algorithm, yeah. then people are going to hopefully buy a physical copy anyway. So yeah. Which would be, these days would be vinyl. Yeah, well. exactly. So, the um, the <sighs> Spotify's recommendation algorithm for years was terrible, and then Facebook bought it out, and then as soon as Facebook did, at first I, I thought, oh, shit, everything's been bought by but Facebook. Those guys are o- like I think Oculus had recently been purchased yeah, by them as well. Yeah, and but um, they know how to use data. Exactly, that's it. And then as I kind of thought about it, I was like, oh, they <coughs> have really good data algorithms does this mean going to recommend really good music and it is phenomenal now whenever i listen to a playlist and it rolls onto just the radio base of the playlist it's always really good is it using your facebook activity to determine what you want to like because i log in with my facebook account so it knows what bands you like already and uh, yeah probably knows it what you're engaging in on facebook yeah so those algorithms will know everything in terms of when you start to skip a track Mm. You know what what album art you tend to kind of stop scrolling on. Mm. Um, it's the same with Netflix. Like everything with you know how you go onto Netflix, you launch it up and there's like colored cards for you know whatever show like because it's tailoring. Your it's tailored yeah. exactly to you. That there, there's no part of Netflix when it when it's presenting content to you that isn't calculated and trying trying to at least appeal to you. So mm. Netflix's slogan is we make. I think it's we make content or we make shows that you'll love. And so it, it's they're trying to aim to please as much to keep you on their platform and Netflix is the best streaming service as opposed to Amazon Prime or whatever. The myriad of other services yeah. that seem to be popping up. And so the more you trust and love the content, the more you'll stay with their platform. Um, but, you know, with that as well is you know, television shows and movies are a cultural institution for us to challenge our ideas and thoughts. And so the kind of trade-off to that that gets discussed a bit is do we lose those challenges because the, the, the way we're consuming TV shows and media is just reinforcing our echo chamber now? Are our mm-hmm. political ideologies getting challenged? Are our, you know, ideas about Emotion getting challenged. (coughs) Interesting question to ask. Mm. I actually um, had an account with Facebook, uh, which I closed down about four or five years ago. Sorry, Don, don't forget to speak into the mic. Sorry, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I had an account with Facebook that I closed down and sort of restarted just because I was just getting... I, I went through a phase of getting pretty... I don't know, extreme, like with some political stuff that I was kind of following and clickbait yeah. that I was reading. And then it just kept f- reinforcing that. And 
I got mm. to the point where my feed was just so um, conspiracy theorists and just, you know, over the top that it was kind of, I couldn't get on Facebook without getting stuck in some pretty, you know, left wing sort of stuff that I'd, I'd originally sort of followed on good faith, but then just too many other pages yeah. were coming up and I just thought I need to just start afresh. Yeah. Started afresh, purposely avoided certain topics of as far as what pages I was following and things like that. And it's a whole different, Facebook's now a whole different um, sort of universe. Yeah. yeah. They're shifting away from like pages and all, especially after the Cambridge Analytica scandal. They're shifting more yeah. towards community groups. Mm. And uh, that you'll see that as well in their marketing and their focus is it's going to be more on like you know your local buy and sell group, buy nothing and all that. Yeah. Like that's where they're kind of shaping it because that's what they want you to stay for because luckily they own it. A lot of people that's are moving over to Instagram, but yeah. you know, Facebook owns That's Instagram content anyway. that, that can't be provided by Instagram or by Twitter. Exactly. And, you know, that's, so they've, they've, I suppose they're finding Facebook, a niche. Yeah, Facebook's shot itself in the foot with political discussion. That's mm. Twitter's domain. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was probably equal at one point, but it's really, pardon me, um, yeah, damaged Facebook, politi- uh, uh, p- most especially, sorry, with the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Mm. And so I think Facebook might be going a little bit hands-off with that now, like just easing up yeah. on it, letting Twitter do that. But it is an interesting point though. Like you definitely do notice that you tend to be, you tend to only see, typically see opinions that um, that align with the content that you've, you've clicked on and the content yeah. that you've liked. And you look at like even the, the, the recent federal election and so many people were adamant that Labour were going to have a big win and... Um, it was when basically the happen. mini US election but yeah, happened in yeah. Australia. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, uh, yeah. All these people, probably myself included, who were um, trapped in this echo chamber of political discussion yep. were just pretty pretty gobsmacked really with the results. When, and and, and at all, all the while, on the outside of the echo chamber, things were happening that we didn't, that we couldn't see. Yeah. So yeah, we were just like, the, yeah, Clive Palmer's just like, Oh, he's just a right-wing tool that's just got some banners, but you know, luckily he didn't win any seats. No one's going to take. Well, he didn't, but like he had a big impact on the the outcome. You know? Oh, a hundred percent, he did. Yeah, he 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 threw a, a big old spanner in the works. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he was really, he was the one that really took advantage of of online uh, campaigning as well. Like I remember, YouTube was yeah, absolutely he, littered as with soon his as ads. he started doing that Tim Tam shit on Facebook, I was like, nah. All my friends, no matter what side of the spectrum they typically aligned with, mm. they were all jumping on this Clive Palmer, Tim Tam stuff. It was basically him just on his page posting him eating Tim Tams and he would kind of just talk a little bit of smack about other politicians. But it was before this new wave of Clive mm. Palmer, uh, the Make Australia Great Again shit. As soon as he started those Tim Tam, uh, doing the, the Tim Tam posts and people were like, ha oh, this is hilarious. Look, mm. fat politician eating Tim Tams and loving it. I knew exactly what was happening. That was, was like, this exactly is what he wanted. He's, he's in creating engagement. They, they know what's going to happen with this. He even had like a, I had like a platform video game, Clive Palmer pl- platform that was, video game. That was very late in the game. By that point, it was become very obvious to most people what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was just like, man, this guy's uh, obviously got some pretty uh, like, you know, outside the box thinking. Uh, you know, people helping him with his campaign. I feel like irony is the tool of the devil at the moment. Well, yeah, ironically, after all that, uh, not even the the best, you know, or the most effective political campaign could could win him a seat. Thank f- fuck for that. So yeah. Anyway, speaking of conspiracies and all that. Uh, and the dark, doomy, gloomy of the world. Well, not really. That was a bit of a shit segue. But <laughs> what I wanted to talk about was, um, is, uh, the well, firstly, the warp event two weekends ago. Uh, uh, 30th 30, anniversary? Yep. And they collaborated with the internet radio station NTS and did a whole weekend of original mixes. And it closed off with Boards of Canada releasing a two-hour mix. So the first thing they've done since Tomorrow's Harvest, which was about four or five years ago. 2013, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, six yeah. now, almost six at least. Mm. Um, so 
Um, yeah. Have you listened to it, Liam? I know I sent it to you at You've one been, point. You sent me a f- I'll tell you what, I've been pretty bad. I haven't listened to the whole thing. I did it is, catch... It is two hours long. Yeah. I caught, I caught a decent flip through of Apex's set. Um, which one? There was two. Okay. I wasn't aware yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. So there was um, one, there was one which was his highbrow experimental art where he had mm. a grand piano swinging from Wasn't a that pendulum. One. No. The one that the I saw, he was standing pretty much in front of a bunch of modular synths, yeah. maybe some keyboards. Yeah. Just doing some pretty, pretty uh, like typical Apex stuff. Yeah. No, no pianos or anything like that. Yeah. And it was quite. Uh, it's quite ambient and quite. Um, oh, maybe that was something else. Maybe I'm not too sure. There's a, there's a lot of Apex stuff popping up at the moment. Maybe I maybe I was mistaken because he did the field day um, one, which had kind of been around on the net with fans for a while, but the first release that came out as part of Warp Thirty mm. is they uh, he released footage from his performance at I forget the theater hall where he. It was. It seemed like he didn't explicitly state what the concept was, but it seemed like what he was experimenting with was um, remotely triggered instruments. And so there was two parts to this video. The first part was he had a piano swinging from a pendulum, but the piano was being remotely triggered um, with MIDI, obviously. While it was swinging. While it was swinging. And what would happen is as the piano key struck the sound obviously would bounce across the walls, but because of the movement, it would create like a Doppler effect. So and it's super, yeah, it's super unique. Obviously, the recording doesn't quite capture it the same as if you were there, but it, you kind of hear how it... Because it's a composition he ended up releasing on Syro. Right. But it was filmed before Syro. And so you know what it sounds like, studio version, but then when he did it in this experiment, it's got a whole different texture to it. This is a grand piano you're talking about. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> there was a lot of work put into this. It's on It's on YouTube. You honestly wonder how how these thoughts come together. Oh, he's, like, he's let's maniac. just strap a grand piano yeah. to some harnesses and like it's beautiful, swing though. it around. It's stunning. It sounds stunning. I listened to it uh, a few times yeah, after. Well, it sounded so good. Is, Syro is probably the... I, I recently picked up and that's the, it'd be, oh, cause I'm pretty late to the party with Apex. I knew, I knew, obviously I knew too, the yeah. new window liquor and you know, all the, like the singles come to daddy and that, but um, y- you were the one who kind of really intru- like properly introduced me to, to Apex. Yeah. And I, now, now that I'm kind of grasping what he's all about, it's a lot more interesting. I suppose um, it's easy to dismiss it as like a bunch of, you know, bleeps and boops and, you know, it's all very. It is like that sometimes, but it's it all is. It's quite cold and it's quite sterile and it's very calculated. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. I think it was one of those, one of those things that kind of grew on me. But Syro, that album goes in so many different directions. There's there's uh you know there's there's really if you listen hard enough you can you can find a lot of different influences throughout it. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But yeah, fantastic album. I might I'm I'm really looking forward to like another full length release. Although we could be waiting. Yeah, a decade. Well, I, d- I don't think so. He's pretty active online now. So since then, did you know about his SoundCloud dump? I think you, s- you were telling me about this, right? So about about four years ago or something, he just created a SoundCloud account and put literally about 200 tracks online for free and just put them up there and was like, I was going to keep these in my archives, but fuck mm. it. Here you go, internet. Yeah, that's Go right. crazy. You and this. I, wasn't, I wasn't into him as, as a fan at that point. Kind of heard about it, but since I've become a fan, I've gone through and like looked at the Reddit threads from the time and people went ballistic over it because it's, it was like hundred, it was like, it's a lot of music. It was free. a lot of music. 200 hours of music. Like that's 200 hours worth of music, but the time put, he would have put into creating 200 hours worth of music would be. Yeah. I don't know if it was 200 hours, but it was about 234 tracks. Some okay. of them were like minute long. Some of them were like 10 minutes long. Yeah. Still um, a lot of content. It's though. a lot. Um, they, man, I was even reading threads where some people were like, they were assigning different people duties of listening to this track to this track and then just describe it so people could kind of connect the dots of what was kind of his ambient stuff and his skit stuff. Yeah, and right. His, uh, you know, jazzy stuff and, you know, what, what it would... They were basically mapping it out. Mm, mm. Um, it's quite funny and they're all like, yes, I'll take duty of <laughs> these tracks. Duh, 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 and they write a little synopsis. It's quite funny. 
but uh, that's some, he's got some dedicated fans. That's for yeah. sure. He uh, he's even been banned off a forum that's dedicated that, that's named after one of his tracks. So we are the music makers. Uh, it's kind of a bit of law that he uh, once got banned from patrolling on his on a forum named after him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's just a shit stirrer. He's on his computer a lot, by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's funny. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Boards of Canada released two hours of content on there. Um, it's such an exploration of music that I've not heard before. I think the only artist that appeared that I'd ever heard of before was Devo. There was a Devo track on it. Oh, so you're saying Boards of Canada were doing remixes? They were doing, it, was, it was a mix. It was kind of, it's kind of like... In the same way, like an avala- avalanches have a mix, like their mm. mixes are much mm. more sophisticated, but because um, that's what they do. But this was kind of they ha- they segued in and out, and there was boards of Canada kind of style sounds woven in between to kind of make it one cohesive piece. Right. Um, so it's very cool. It's worth a listen. There's some tracks on there that people are still trying to find out if that's an actual track that exists or if that's an original by them. Because there's a lot of real deep cuts in s- from certain scenes. And where can we go and find this on the on the Warp YouTube it's, channel? It's on it's on YouTube. If you just type in, it's called the Societas X Tape. It's everywhere. Okay. If you just Google it, you'll find it. It's on YouTube. It's on Mixcloud, SoundCloud. Yeah. You you can't not find it. So Boards of Canada Societas. So S O C I A I E T A S X Tape. Um. And I'll probably um, put it in the description on the YouTubes and yeah, the uploads. Yeah, link, I'll it, link it up. I'll check yeah. that out. Um, and Flying Lotus, what about him? He did an original mix as well. And it was all kind of B-sides of Flamagra. So it's kind of this sister piece to Flamagra. Do you think we'll see a release? What was that? Do you think we'll see a release of this stuff? Oh, yeah. you can. It's online. I mean like a physical release though. Hopefully. It's pretty good. I listened to it and I was like, this... You know, this could easily be the second disc of Flamagra. Yeah, well, Fla- Flamagra what did you think of it? <coughs> it was really, really good. Um, a lot of a lot of the hardcore fans are finding it's pretty forgettable, but I really like it. Yeah, I remember you saying that because it it is it's uh, it's it's definitely Flylo. Like without a doubt, it's got his signature sound, and you can hear like Thundercat all through it. And, yeah, you know, which is like you know a, a long time collaborator of his. Um, I would probably describe it as like a lot more cinematic mm. and a lot less schizophrenic than like his previous stuff. Cause you listen to Cosmogramma and that's like, that sounds like a million ideas like shoved together on an album. Um, and the, and the, the tracks are cutting from one to another very abruptly. Um, so you'll be listening to a track and then it'll cut to the next one before you even realize almost what's actually happened. Mm. Um, I feel as if Flamagra is kind of like more of a, co- like you can't say it's a concept because there's, n- there's really n- no lyrics or no story to it as far as I'm aware, but um, it feels yeah, more cinematic. It's, v- yeah. Uh, it, that's the best way to describe it. It feels more cohesive. You hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. I, I guess I have. Yeah, <laughs> because I wanted to say one of the, those because you said that to me when I, was creating an understanding of something in the last episode and it felt really nice. So I thought, I'll thank you. I thought I'd give that back. Cheers, you hit man. the nail on the head, Liam. <laughs> Satisfying when you, you hear someone say that to you, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got the warm fuzzies. The, the reason why is because, well, I don't know. This is just my subjective perspective. Um, that's a bad name. Subjective perspective. It's a bit, <laughs> of, a, bit of a mouthful, but it could yeah. work. Yeah, King Gizzard, Lizard, Wizard. Yeah. Okay. Now you've, you've, you've proven your point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, pardon me, Flamagra. The reason why I feel it's cinematic is uh, well, we talked about this. You haven't seen Cuso, he's no, film. but you were telling me he'd it's yeah. very much a reflection of Cuso. And all the people who, pardon me, I spoke to who listened to Flamagra and didn't like it, I said, Have you watched Cuso, his mm. film? And mm. they were, most of them were like, No, nah. all the people who had watched Cuso that I spoke to, they that had seen it, sorry. Yeah. They loved Flamagra. Well, you even look I at feel like it, you got a gra- it's like a graduation or an evolution from Cuso because one of the first tracks is actually from that film, and well, it's the, kind of a, he's yeah. expanded upon it a bit more. You showed me the trailer for for Cuso, yeah. and um, immediately like I can see a link between like the artwork for Flamagra, yeah, uh, the whole 
it seems to tie into like a similar like aesthetic to to Kizo the film, mm. um, especially with the pop up. Yes, you know. Yes, I don't know if there is a direct cor- correlation or whether maybe he was just working with um, maybe someone who works with him on the film. Helped him with the artwork. Well, he did the film with David Firth, who did Salad Fingers. That's right. You were telling me that. So, do we know if David Firth did any of the artwork for Flamagro? Is that no, a thing? I don't or? think it was him. I don't. I don't know who did the. But I feel like there would have been a more of a song and dance about it. I'll have a look. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah, but at any rate, it just uh, it just felt like more of a complete body of work from start to finish. Yeah. Um, as as opposed to like a, just a collection of of tracks where, you know, like he was trying to just find ways to segue them into one another, but it was... I About five people worked on the artwork, none right. of which who are David Firth. There you go. Yeah. But, you know, uh, f- just from what I can picture in my head from seeing that, that short trailer, yeah, I can I can definitely link the two together. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of linking the two together... Uh, is this another segue? This is another segue to <laughs> something that you mentioned uh, was Tom York's Anima. Yeah, Anima, Anima, Anima. I don't know, Anima. I feel like I've been. Anima, I think it. when I hear Anima, I think of the Tool album. Mm, mm, yeah, I've been saying Anima, so I'll just continue to say yeah. Anima, I guess. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that dropped uh, fairly recently. But um, is it good? Look, I try to have a listen to the album from start to finish today. I can't find it on on YouTube. I can only find. Uh, compilations that people have put together of tracks like that he that he's dropped live. Mm. Um, mind you, what I did here was 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 quality. I mean, at the end of the day, most people I know who like Radiohead pretty much like everything that comes out that's related to Radiohead. So, mm. be that like a Tom York solo album or uh, um, uh, Adam Sapice, which was pretty much him anyway. Uh, or a Radiohead album or whatever, it all kind of ties in. It all like his his influence on that band is so profound, really. That like, yeah. it's almost sometimes it's almost difficult to kind of draw a line between like a Tom York project and like a Radiohead project. But what, from what I could hear, it was it was of the exact same quality you would expect from something to come to have come out from from Tom York. Um, his his uh, also his um his use of like synthesizers and drum machines and um, keyboards and all of those electronic elements that he sort of started to experiment with on um, his first album. He's, he's kind of mastering those now and you can hear it. Mm. So his compositions are a lot more, um, they're a lot less like, uh, they're a lot less, um, they just feel more cohesive, I guess is what what I could probably say about it. So I haven't had a proper listen all the way through. And like, as with like, you know, anything Radiohead or anything Tom York, like I find I have to listen to them, like sit down and listen to them a few times before I, before I start to... The growlers. <coughs> yeah, they're always, they're always like a thing, a thing that grows on you. Like you never really just sit down and listen to any Radiohead album and go, oh yeah, I fucking love this. Like from the start, like King of Limbs is a good example. That mm. album was really, really like quite cold and quite abstract. Um, <coughs> and I think, I don't know if it was very well received, but in retrospect, um, you know, people really like the King of Limbs. I think you're always an album behind with Radiohead. Mm. That's I'm the way I kind of see it. albums behind. But I, I, I can definitely see that I will, this one will, will grow on me. 100%. Yeah. yeah. About you, Dylan? Have well, you listened to it? I haven't listened to it, no, but like on that point Liam made about um, uh, growers, I remember when Kid A first came out and... Um, that was their first kind of album that Radiohead released that was taking a different direction, a lot more experimental, a bit more electronic and uh, different to the sort of um, sort of indie sound that they had. And uh, several years after that album had come out, I'd listened to it lots of times, enjoyed it, but didn't really think anything massively of, of it. And then um, National Anthem just came on in my shuffle on my iPod at the time. And all of a sudden, it was just like the best song I'd ever heard, <laughs> it, like, and I'd heard it like so many times before. But it I was love just that like, when you you know rehear it. How have I heard this so many times? And now I mm. I absolutely fucking love this song. 
Um, yeah, but that's the thing about the music you like the most sometimes takes a while before you actually... A hundred percent. It really sinks in. If it's yeah. catchy and, you know... Sometimes you can... If you, it's too hooky or if whatever, you, yeah. If you like something from the offset, it's easy to kind of uh, grow, grow tired of it yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, there's, there's so much... Um, there's so much layering in a, in a Radiohead album. So, you know, yeah. so many, like, the ki- going back to The King of Limbs, for instance, like, the thing that, that made that album click for me, they did a live live at the basement uh, recording of that album. So, not like, that album, when you, when you listen to it, it's predominantly electronic. When you watch their Live at the Basement, it's, which is on YouTube, King of Limbs Live at the Basement, they perform the album from start to finish, but they perform it live with instruments. And I kind of realized that that must have been how they actually wrote that album, like as a as a collective. And I think they were there were maybe f- six or seven members of that of that band. Like, you know, there was there was the core Radiohead, but they had other they had other session musicians involved in in like actually writing and producing that album. And you watch them perform it with you know a real drum kit or drum pads at least. Um, yeah, and the, and it, it's. I kind of realized they're not replicating the electronic sounds with real instruments. Like mm. they wrote their album on with real instruments, performed it like that as a band, as a collective. And then when they went into the studio to record it, they replicated it with electronic instruments. So that album made so much sense to me. Like it was kind of like, oh, it was, they, they'd reverse engineered it. You know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, if, if for anyone who hasn't, for anyone who out there who kind of never clicked with the, with the King of Limbs, Go and and watch that King of Limbs live at the basement. He goes for maybe forty five minutes to an hour, but it will it will shed a new light on that album because yeah, that it's it's a work of genius. It, mm. It's and it plays a lot with rhythm as well, mm. which I think Tom York is really into, like um, time signatures and polyrhythms yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And man, yeah, just just go and watch it if you ever have the time. Um, in the reverse of that. King King Gizzard, so going from King of the Limbs to King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard, mm-hmm. are releasing a new album on the sixteenth, Infest the Rat's Nest, and it's there. From what I understand, the first album with the least amount of members involved. It's only three of them out of the seven. So a power trio. Yeah, basically, it's guitar, uh, drums, bass. Well, there it's. Stu, the head of the band, he's doing bass and all that. So it's him, Cavs, the drum, one of the drummers. He's doing double kick. So he taught himself double kick, and he's uh, recording that way. Um, because I don't think for the last four or five albums they've recorded with Eric. He just basically does it live now, and that's it. And he just manages because he's basically the head of Flightless. See the guy with the glasses. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, Joey Walker who's the other guitarist in King Gizzard mm. so it's like the three of them they sat down recorded and wrote it all the other guys obviously Murlocs, Pipe Eye um, and Managing Flightless they all went off and did their things anyway mm. but mm. Um, it's their thrash metal album there was there's three songs out now two of which I, I really like. quite heavy now yeah the Organ Farmer one I've got to be honest like people who know me know that I'm an absolute King Gizzard nut and they were just like man Stu McKenzie could you know, sneeze through a didgeridoo and I'd order two <laughs> copies on vinyl. And yeah, but this one, like, I don't know. O- Organ Farmer just was very like, it was like a two minute blast beat song. And it was just kind of like, look, we do blast beats now. Mm. And it just, I don't know. The second half is much better, but it just kind of, it seemed like they were just doing a song in that style for the sake of doing it in that style, which kind of is King Gizzard's thing. Yeah, But I don't know if they felt too in... I, I don't know. Maybe they did feel genuinely inspired to do that, but it kind of just felt half-baked. They've been... No, they, like, a lot of people I've spoken to, and, like, I, I don't really know a lot about... A great deal about King Gizzard, pro- beyond probably what you've told me and what you've showed me, like, when we've been hanging out in the store or whatever. Um, a lot of people were saying that they kind of become a bit of a, a quantity over quality outfit now. Somewhat. The, the, the year... In 2017, when they released five albums... All those albums were really good. They're considered the classic five albums, is that right? Or uh, I wouldn't like say the, the cla- the, I you couldn't call them classic. I don't. I don't know. Like Not Gone Infinity is probably the most classic one because that really popularized them overseas. That album. Mm. But I don't know. It depends. It. 
I don't I don't think there's an essential set of King Gizzard. Everyone would have their own mm. essential set. But that's a good point because it's, so different they well. dabble in so many different styles. It's yeah. kind of it comes from where you were previously, what drew you in, whether that was jazz or heavy metal or yeah. you know uh, folk. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's more a subjective thing in terms of what the classics are. Well, coming from coming from you then, as a big fan of Kingies, would you <laughs> prefer that they took took a bit more time between releases and put something out that was a bit more? Uh, well, I'll like tell you what. Or do you just do you just prefer the stream of consciousness style of like you know releasing whatever they feel like at the time? Yeah, that, that's a good way of putting it. Stream of consciousness because uh, I think uh, I think obviously Stu is a bit of a savant and he's you know channeling something crazy and mm. everything they do seems to have. A lot of there's nothing that feels cheap. I don't think they've obviously put a lot of time and research into like a certain facet of music that they're exploring. And you have to accept as well, these guys are doing really well for themselves, and they're just focusing on music. And there's seven of them. Mm. You're gonna have so many different influences coming from different angles that you can work with. That's true. And yeah. like, and like, yeah, like what you're don't. saying, like I was gonna say, like the point with with a band like King Gears, because they are sort of DIY, they got their own label and everything as well. Like if they've got stuff that they're recording and they they want to put it out there just like Aphex Twin dropped a whole bunch of like stuff that he never released commercially previously. Not you know, bound I mean? by yeah, some labels. They're not answering to Let's just do it. Yeah they, yeah, they don't have to go up to the like you know the CEO of Universal or whatever and say, hey, we've got this new album. Do you think we can release it? They just do it, press it, sell it. Fans love it or yeah. they don't. Well, it's a good point that you make yeah. as well because you look at bands, uh, other independent bands like. Um, the Brian Jonestown Massacre mm. seem to have one or two albums out a year on A Recordings, which is Anton's label. Or you've got um, like the OCs who, are, who you know, uh, Castle Face Records putting out an album or two or three a year and doing whatever the hell they want. So, yeah, no, that's a good point that you make. They've, they've got that freedom to, to do that. Speaking of which. Um, well, firstly, I'll say, however, put aside Organ Farmer, I'm very excited for the album. Because the moment I got into King Gizzard, I always thought it'd be sick if they did a thrash album. They did Nonagon Infinity, which was kind of a hard rock album with some kind of, you know, heavy metal kind of, to use the word again, textures in it. Mm. But it wasn't heavy metal so much. Then they did Murder of the Universe, which definitely was metal, but it was like a storybook. Mm -hmm. Um, So this one seems like the full all-in metal album. Yeah, with it was a lot of thrash influence, which was the metal I was into when I was a teenager. So yeah, a long time. The nostalgic coming, part of me, yeah, yeah, the nostalgic part of me is very excited for this. So yeah, I think it'll be good. Like I do, still ha- overall have faith. The last album that came out, uh, Fishing for Fishies, was mm. the first one. Uh, they didn't release an album. That was last a lot year. of boogie kind of like you know old timey or not old timey, but there's a lot, of bo- a lot of blues and boogie, a lot of har- harmonica in that, and it it progresses from folk, like straight up folk to synth- completely synthesizers towards the end. Really? Yeah. Oh, actually, no, you're right. That's I, the concept I did of have it. a listen through that one and it, yeah, it, yeah. it got, yeah, I remember by, by the, so towards the end of side B, it was like all... It was all like f- disco, funk. Yeah, that's right, yeah, 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 yeah. But the middle part of that album kind of bored me originally, but I've really kind of appreciated it in the last week. I listened to it a little bit when it first came out and I was like, okay, this is good. I can tell it's, there's an idea behind it and an intent. But I didn't quite get into it. And then in the last week, I've actually really enjoyed it and appreciated mm. a lot of the finer details that I didn't pick up on. So uh, I think I, I I have I still have a l- complete faith in King Gizzard. It's a hallmark of an stuff. album that'll probably stick with the you for a while. The album art is the first album art which I've got to... I, I can't really get into. The album art is just... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> it is. Something about it, I just... Is it, it the same, same person who's done... Jason Galea. Yeah. And he is an absolute lord and inspiration to me. Um, but that that one just didn't get me. But that's okay. You can't. So you're, you not gonna, like you're not going to get everyone yeah, every hit, and that's and I accept as well that it's it's still a good album cover. It just might grow on you in five or ten years. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? I might, you know, in ten years, you might have a tattooed on, on your on time, man. You might have a tattooed on your lower back by the time you're like in your fifties. You never Probably. know. Um, but on the same day, the OCs are releasing their double album. Uh, which is Face Stabber. <laughs> yeah, Face Stabber. <laughs> I <laughs> love the right. like titles of their yeah. albums. Um, Face Stabber. They've released, they've released two songs. The first one, Henchlock, which is 20 minutes long. It's like a jazzy jam. The second one actually dropped a few hours ago. 
it's kind of a bit more of a three minute psyche kind of tune mm. very different but it's it is a double album so so we're I, gonna have a treat the garage rock fans are gonna be very happy on august 16th um because you got new king is a new ocs and you know if you're a metal fan too you got tool the following week yes this has been a long time coming this one yeah do you think it's it's like Half-Life 3 where it's just it's not going to live up to the hype because it's been too long? Honestly, I couldn't tell you, man, cuz like you're uh you might well I'm I can't honestly say that I'm uh like I really I'm, I don't not like Tool, but I couldn't call myself a fan cuz I've never really heard much of their stuff. Took me a long time to get into it, but it's it's very somewhat esoteric. It's somewhat it's quite progressive, but in this, Very in a sense, it's also quite commercial. The thing as when well. I'm listening to Tool, I like it when I'm listening to it, but I never actually feel like listening to it when I'm not listening to it. So if yeah, someone you don't like, seek oh, it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not. It's good, but it, I don't. Yeah, I don't seek it out. That's a good but way. Every time we've like you know spun a Tool record in here, I'm like, yeah, this is good. I'm I'm enjoying this. Like it's yeah, yeah. it's definitely yeah. Like it's I'm I'm not not a fan. Probably much like you. Mm. It's just I'm just a bit uh, indifferent to Tool, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I I was indifferent to until in the last few years, but there's so much intent behind everything with it. The earlier albums I'm not too much into, but Ten Thousand Days and uh, Lateralus, mm. uh, you know, iconic heavy metal albums to me. Well, I've got a great deal of respect for Maynard James Keenan. Yeah, he's um, he's a, a guy, he's a man with a vision, and he's uh, yeah. Well, he's they they all are like they're all equally responsible for tool. Mm. Adam Jones, I think is his the name guitarist. Is, the guitarist, yeah. He writes all the guitar parts. The bassist does all the bassist parts. The drummer does all the the drumming. Yeah, they're they're a Beatles they style band. They all contribute yeah. exactly. But Adam, you want to know a cool fact? Adam, the guitarist, is a special effects artist and worked on Jurassic Park, um, and a whole. I don't know. Do you mean like practical special practical effects? Practical yeah, effects. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And like, I'm pretty sure he was a big part of the practical practical effects on um, Jurassic Park and a few other movies. So he's, you know... The recent Jurassic you know, Park? You know, they're, they're those kind of guys who just, they understand creativity and music beyond, you know, what we traditionally They've, appreciate. They take a very visionary approach to it. Yeah. Each album kind of like has a has a flowing theme and seems like they're channeling something else yeah you know? yeah it's yeah 100 cool. and maynard you know i love the guy's it's voice why people who are super it's into lsd love them into who <laughs> people who are super into lsd love them because uh, yeah it feels like <laughs> that. It's, it feels like there's the secret or dmt or something like that yeah there's a lot of like you know dmt sort of like That's why joe rogan's had thing. maynard on his podcast yeah, a couple yeah, of times. yeah i'm sure he asked him that he's probably like oh cool story have you ever tried DMT? Maynard, maynard's just into making wine these days i ah actually that's funny you should say that i caught this snippet of that podcast where he's talking about about wine making yep and he's he's not just uh and this is this is one of the reasons I love Maynard. He just throws himself to, into things, you know. Like he's not just putting his name on the label. Yeah, he's into jujitsu as he, well. Yeah, he's like growing the grapes. He's like, um, you know, he's and he's connected with all these other really famous winemakers in like the Barossa Valley in France and, yeah. uh, you know, all these famous wine regions. And he will he's always asking them questions about you know what should the soil pH be or like you know. Uh, these grapes aren't quite, you know, growing to my expectations. How can I fix this? Blah, 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 blah. He's like throwing himself into it like headlong, you know, and he's, and he's producing apparently some pretty damn good wine. So, yeah. It's got a bit of time in his hands then. But well, you, would you start a rhubarb wine label? Um, probably not. I couldn't no. imagine myself dedicating enough time out of my life to grow grow my own grapes like yeah. they, they take a couple of years to get established i'm i'm too i want quick faster results than that maybe making some gin yeah in the bathtub get into that yeah yeah <laughs> gin distilling but moonshine yeah. <laughs> dylan's bathtub water oh don't even go there man. yeah did you hear about this dylan what's this is that? a newsworthy topic <laughs> well it has been yeah in this day and age uh there's like some famous like uh youtube channel uh, run gamer by this girl. chick yeah she's yeah. like a gamer girl and um she decided that she would try to make some extra cash selling her bath water 
So she made YouTube videos J- of her jarring it up. Yeah, yeah, like in the bath. Forty bucks a piece. Yeah, jarring up her bath water and uh, selling it for like lots of money. And some poor unfortunate fellow drank some and uh, ended up hospitalized. <laughs> really? Yeah, and that's what, with uh, what? Chlamydia, like some something something <laughs> gross like that. But yeah, um, this is the day and age we live in. Yeah. We live in a we live we, we we're living in a strange timeline. Trump's yeah. president and people are drinking chicks' bathwater that they bought on the internet. That's it. Yeah. So Dylan's bathtub water is coming soon. To not the label because you have some news for us, Dylan. Slight news. Ah, uh, some slight news. Oh, do you want to just smash straight into it? We'll go straight into okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Well. Um, so I what's happening? What's happening with the label? Oh, so basically... Um, well, we'll start with Rhubarb Jam 4 is coming. Yeah, so Rhubarb Jam 4 is coming up. We did have a delay. I've had a, f- a few people messaging me saying what's going on with um, Rhubarb Jam 4. It was due to, to be out last month. Unfortunately, uh, some things yeah, changed so with Yeah, so basically what happened is one of the one of the tracks, after we after we would, we'd put the job in, in into production, uh, into the production queue, mm. um, one of the... Um, band managers from one of the bands involved uh, gave me a call a couple of days after and said uh, due to this their release date schedule for their for their for the single that was on the album uh, that they needed to pull the track uh, so that was a bit a little bit stressful luckily I'd, I was able to find a replacement track but that pushed the um, we had to then wait uh, about a month or so to get the artwork redone um, unfortunately, the graphic designer was on was just about to go to Japan. Perfect the, storm. Yeah, so it was a bit of a perfect storm. Um, so we lost our position in the queue, and uh, we are now probably about at least several weeks to a month before the finished product will be out. So yeah, that's that's all cool though. You know, things happen. It's you know, it's a physical product, yeah. and you know, these it just happen. be like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, you know, that's no biggie. Um, but the the bomb that I was talking about before that I wanted to sort of uh, mention, I wouldn't say it's a bomb so much, but just the news, uh, was that we're going to um, take a sort of indefinite break on the on Rhubarb Records, the label. Um, the reason being, um, we've got other aspects of the business that have been growing quite, uh, that we want to sort of focus time into, um, which namely are just the bricks and mortar stores. Um, you know, um, we've got uh, you know a lot happening at the cafe with the license coming up, and we're planning on putting a lot more events on. Yeah. Um, I just I think it's just better for us to be focusing on on those aspects. It's more we can contribute more into the sort of Perth music scene by doing that rather than trying to sort of spread ourselves too thin. Yeah. So while these things grow, it's just gonna kind of yeah. So we're just literally just gonna just um, keep the rhubarb jam series running. Um, we may or may not like uh, release more albums in like independent like local release releases um we've had a pretty good run taking a bit of a back seat yeah it's just got to take a back seat you know you can only do so many things well at 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 one time um before you kind of you know can't really you know focus on what needs to be done there's only so many hours in a day and we've got so many people you know that we're working with um but yeah i think we've had a good a good couple of years we've worked with some um, bands that have gone on to do pretty well, like the Porn Crumpets, for example, just released their third album. Their first yep. two albums came out on um, Rhubarb Records. Um, so that's a, a, one of the success stories that we've been involved with. Um, you know, we've worked with um, uh, Verge Collection, Terrible Signal, Pat Chow. Um, you know, really the Cavaliers. Yeah, the Cavaliers were the first fun. band that we got involved with, which was fun when we were just sort of toying with the idea and you know that was a good starting point for us um the spun love Stephen bailey he's now he's yep. now working with a uh uk based label called cardinal oh, cool. fuzz that's really cool and doing and really their well. u.s subsidiary or a different uh, label? no well they um uh also dusky tracks dusky which tracks is owned by lucas skinner yeah so we did two collabs with From them King um Stephen bailey's first album was a collab with uh dusky tracks and so was um, Terrible Signal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've done some cool stuff. Um, we've, it's been fun, but we're not really... I, f- I sort of feel like we're not really able to offer enough service to the bands yeah. other than just releasing the album. So, 
yeah, I'd, I'd like to focus on just you know getting the the bricks and mortar stores like just doing as best as they possibly can, putting yeah. all our time and effort into that, um, and keeping the rhubarb jam series running. That's a good way to highlight you know some of the new indie bands that are unsigned and get their mm. music out on vinyl and create a bit of an archive for future you know collectors and uh, yeah. pe- explorers to to discover what's happening. Perfect. So. Rhubarb label to be continued at some point in the future, yeah, but yeah, having a rest for now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's and lying also, dormant. you mentioned that there was going to be a date. Ah, uh, yeah. So to save the mind. date, September twenty first. Uh, we've got something really big in the works. It'll be the biggest um, sort of music event that we've. What is it that we've organised? What is it? Yeah, tell me. Uh, okay, so it's going to be it's going to be the unofficial. Well, it's going to be the official launch party Rhubarb Jam 4, yep. but rather than just feature, focus on only the bands that are on that particular compilation, uh, we're going to sort of have a bunch of different acts that have been we've worked with over the, the last sort it's of a celebration four years. of yeah. all the Rhubarb Jams. Yeah, and it's just Perth music. Um, yeah, great. So there's some, I mean, if you, if you have a look on who we've worked with, either on Discogs or jump on the Rhubarb Records website, you know, we've got a, quite a awesome pool of um artists that we've worked with so it's going to be i reckon one of the big uh big gigs of the year yeah um you know just getting closer to summer uh, yep. so that pre-season yeah know, jitters kicking in so yeah we will uh, in the next couple of weeks or probably not long after this podcast is actually published there'll be details going live yeah so, yeah collabing with some some pretty cool people in the music industry in perth as well yeah, that feel like that was a pretty good episode, Liam, Dylan. How'd you feel about that one? No, I feel pretty good about it. Not yeah. bad. I just got to get used to keeping my head next to the microphone <laughs> when talking. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've got, uh, yeah, luckily we've got guidance from the, the podcast. Yeah, we've got the guru. Uh, the podcast guru here. Thank you. He knows what he's doing. He's basically just uh, guiding us, making sure we don't, you know, we don't do anything stupid or talk away from our <laughs> mics too far. Yeah. Oh, the last thing. Oh. Completely forgot to talk about this. Um, the so the vinyl putty. Ah, yes, yeah. So quickly talk about that because oh, flubber, flubber. Sorry, vinyl flubber. Yeah, vinyl yeah. flubber. So it's yeah. exactly like the Robin Williams film. You know, open it up and it bounces off the walls. And you everything can put it on the bottom of your shoes and uh, rise yeah. to the top of the NBA draft. So that um, I picked up a bottle of that because I wanted something to clean my records it's from with. Project. Yeah, it's by made by way. Project, so a good trusty name. Yeah, and it's green flubber. Looks like flubber the movie, and it kind of it sh- shifts shape really strangely. But it's really, I bought one to clean my records at home with. I found to give a little review, it's not so good for like oil and stuff that sat on a record for a long time. Mm. But like fresh finger fingerprints, fingerprints and such, it'll pick up really well. It's really good for getting off dust if you don't want to run a duster and potentially scratch. Deep set grit. Yeah, it really gets right in there mm. and cleans it up. And you can clean your needle with it too. Yeah, it's a two-in-one, so it's good for your stylus. Um, <coughs> if you have an, uh, you know, a slightly more upmarket cartridge and stylus and you don't want to use anything abrasive to clean it or you don't want to use a solvent, uh, you, can, you can literally just press this flubber up onto the stylus and lift it off. Uh, it'll pull everything that's sitting on the stylus off with it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's the it's probably the least invasive way you can clean a stylus. Yeah. Uh, and much like the you know the w- I suppose everyone's heard about the wood glue trick. Uh, the the principle being you just squirt a bunch of wood PVA wood glue all over your Certain precious types. vinyl and let it yeah. let it dry and then you know have to you know peel it all off in one and that's supposed to pull the grit out. Well. This is the exact same principle, but it's yeah. like a specially formulated product from from Project that you can actually reuse. You don't have to wait for it to dry. Yeah, there's no chance of you damaging your label or getting glue. And all to over be the clear place. as well, it is by no means sponsored by Project as well. It's just something interesting that yeah, no, got I, in. I, 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 yeah, so it's only, it only just come out a matter of months ago. I saw some YouTube reviews about it, and um, it just happened to pop up on our on our supply list and. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's been selling like hotcakes, and everyone's been really happy with it. So, um, so we thought we'd maybe give one away on the podcast to get things going on there. So on the platforms, uh, 
we'll ask a question and you just comment with the answer. So either YouTube or Facebook. Um, and we'll just randomly pick someone who wins it. Um, so something relevant to what we talked about today. We'll, we'll uh, choose something. We'll dig something up. What What should the question be? I want people to hear it here. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Um, Far away. What was the name of the Radiohead album that I was talking about that uh, I didn't really quite understand at first, but then grew to good like question. afterwards? Very good question. Cool. So, if you comment that on the Facebook upload of this or the YouTube upload of this, we'll pick a random person out of the two lists. So if you comment on both, that's du- you're double dipping your entries, and we're cool with that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, winner will have uh, yeah, have winner will have one flubber. waiting for them at a lifetime the supply of flubber. Yeah, <laughs> which is one tub, which is one tub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a disclaimer. Um, yeah, winner will have one waiting at the Rhubarb Records East Vic Park branch. So come and come and see me and say howdy and cool. come and grab it if you are the lucky winner. Very generous. Thank you. All good vibes on here. Yeah, we're generous people. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, this has been good. We're going to get our guests for the next episode. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. Just about wraps up episode... Episode one. one. Episode, yeah, zero, 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 0001. The last catalog one was zero, 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 zero. I'm, I'm, I'm naming the episodes online as like a catalogue number. So We'll put them up on Discogs as well. Yeah, zero, zero, 001. The first one, because it was so loose, is just going to be the test. Yeah. The beta test. We'll still upload that so people can hear it because there was some cool, cool music facts by Liam in that one. Um, <laughs> guitar some g- facts great too. Some, yeah, guitar facts. Guitar some, facts. Some great banter yeah. from from Matt here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, some great Doritos were delivered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Dylan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for the if you were listening. Give yourself a little pat on the back. Yeah, that's from Dylan. Feel that pat from me. Back. That's yeah. from Dylan. Yeah. Still in spirit. Across the cosmos. <laughs>